Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. It's hard to imagine with COVID just happening how claustrophobic you might feel if you went into an elevator with 10 other people and had to squeeze into this elevator. Now, many people are past the point of COVID. They're like, okay, whatever. You know, maybe I wear my mask still, maybe I don't. Or maybe it's been a hoax this whole time. But if you were to get into an elevator now with 10 people, at least half of them are going to be nervous. There's just a very tight space for a lot of people to exist in. And if you live in the city, maybe you're past this. Maybe you're fine with this now. But odds are, if you got crammed into a tiny space with a lot of people, your personal bubble would feel very, very pressed. There's a lot of pressure on your personal bubble. And the second you get out of that elevator, you're going to stretch out a little bit. That is what we're going to talk about today as it relates to reactive dogs, that kind of feeling that they have. They have a bubble, and it might be a huge bubble. But when it gets compressed is when we have reactivity. This is called the bubble theory. I think it's a wonderful way to think about reactive dogs and to start to understand how they think and how training can be insanely effective. Once you understand the bubble theory and how to use it effectively, training can be so, so peaceful. I know it doesn't seem uh, cohesive. Peaceful and reactivity. How does that work together? Well, the bubble theory helps us understand it. So I want you to think about, again, being in that elevator or having to sit in the back seat with two other people. Like you get squished or sitting on a, a crowded subway or trying to fit in a, a car that's way too small for you. I'm a big guy, 6'2", 235 pounds. I'm a bigger guy. I'm not, you know, insanely large. There are definitely people bigger than me. But if I sit in a small car, oh man, I'm cramped. Even the car I'm in right now is a little cramped. It's a Subaru Crosstrek. Love that car. But I get crammed in there. And if I sit in there for too long, I was in there a couple hours yesterday. If I'm in there for too long, I got to stretch my legs out. My knees start to hurt. So I want you to think about your personal bubble and figure out what that is. It might have been a small personal bubble and with COVID. Now it's a six foot bubble. Maybe you like someone to be 15 feet away. I remember back in the beginning of COVID when we had no idea of how far away someone should be. Everyone had like pool noodles that were like nine feet long. And they were like, nope, you got to stay back there. I don't want you anywhere near me. That is a big personal bubble. Your dog has that bubble, especially if you have a reactive dog. But every dog has that bubble. Every being, I think, has that bubble. There's a certain sphere that encompasses them that they feel comfortable with. And if you invade that sphere, metaphorically, you, you pop that bubble. That's when a dog will react. That's when a person will be like, hey, back up. You're getting too close. Back the hell up. Right? They'll get angry. That's what happens with our dogs, especially when they're fearful. If you have a fearful, reactive dog, their their bubble is going to be huge. Huge. Until they start to feel comfortable, and then their bubble will get smaller and smaller. So there's two types of ways to look at the bubble theory. Okay? The first way is a big bubble versus a small bubble. 
Your dog has a big bubble. They don't trust the space they're in. They need more space. They need to feel comfortable by having more space. Now, small bubble feel says they're comfortable in that space. So if they walked onto a field and they saw a dog 400 feet away and they started reacting, they have a massive bubble. They have a massive bubble. They need 400 feet of space to be okay. If they can be directly next to a dog, that dog's climbing on top of them and they're not reacting, they have a very small bubble. It's essentially a skin-tight suit if you want to think of a bubble like that. So that's the first difference, big bubble versus small bubble, and it has to do with safety in many cases. Now, there's also a little divergent from reactivity here, but if your dog was resource guarding, that bubble would also come into play. The severity of resource guarding is determined by how big the bubble is in non-scientific terms. <laughs> how big is the bubble? If you can't get within 10 feet of your dog resource guarding something, that's a problem. If you can get within two inches of your dog resource guarding before they start to actually growl at you, then we're good. And for those of you who don't know, resource guarding is when your dog has something they find valuable and will protect it through aggression. They will growl at you. They will snap at you. They will take it and run away. If you can get pretty close to your dog without them reacting, you're good. If you can take it from them without them reacting, that's the smallest bubble possible. There's no bubble there. They're so comfortable, there's no bubble. Big bubble, they need more space because they're afraid. Small bubble, they're secure in their dog <laughs> abilities, right? They're confident. They feel comfortable. They're certain of what's going to happen. They're uncertain. They're not comfortable and they're not confident. They need a bigger bubble. And the second way to think about bubbles is the bubble popping. This is what a lot of reactive dog owners deal with, the bubble popping. So you're the bug, the big bubble, the bug bubble, the big bubble existed I think I, I stumble at once every single podcast, and that was the one. I'm not going to stumble again. Every podcast, <laughs> if, if you hear me stumble, put it in the comments. If you have a comment section on where you're listening, I want to know if I stumble once during a podcast or multiple times. Please let me know. Okay, so you're a reactive dog owner, and what you're going to deal with is the bubble popping most of the time. So if your dog has a 400-foot bubble, and it pops at 400 feet, now you have to deal with the 400 feet of reactivity. If we can make the bubble smaller by increasing your dog's confidence, certainty, and comfortability, now that dog can get closer and closer, and instead of having a 400-foot bubble with that dog, now it's a 20-foot bubble. And our dog's bubble doesn't pop. The second it pops is when they react. Whether they want to run away from the situation, whether they bark at the other dog, they carry on. Some dogs will turn and bite the owners. That's a form of reactivity. But that is the bubble popping. Pop. Right? Just boom, they explode. Now, you can also see in your dog's brain, when you watch your reactive dog enough, they start to look more stressed. And you can see that as the bubble getting more stressed. The tension on the bubble is getting tighter and tighter. The tension on your dog is getting tighter and tighter. And at some point, everything's going to snap. It's going to pop. They're going to pop. And now they react. They start barking. They start carrying on. And it takes a while to get the bubble to form again. Once your dog pops, 
Think about a bubble, right? Once it pops, that's it. The bubble's grown. But if we could recreate that bubble, the only way to do that is through time. I'm going to give my dog time to relax and then moving them away from the situation to feel them more comfortable, right? How can I get them to feel more comfortable by moving them away from the situation? That stressed them out in the first place. It's just like if you were lifting something and your muscles are getting stressed, you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling. The only way to take that tension off is to relax and drop the weight and then time. You can't go immediately back into it. You're going to put more tension back on the muscle. So if you're putting tension on the muscle and you get to a point where it can't do it anymore, you have to put it down, take the tension away, the stress away, and then add time. It's the only way it's going to recover. And that's how your dog will recover and that's how we can get that bubble to form again. Now, effectively using the bubble strategy is different than just understanding the bubble strategy. So now that you understand it, at least I hope you do, right? you're understanding the concept. Big bubble, my dog doesn't feel safe. Small bubble, my dog feels certain, safe, confident, competent. Okay, They feel good, and so they're more trusting. Things can get closer to them. They're okay with it. If we pop that bubble or our dog gets so tense that they make their bubble tense and then everything pops, we're going to have a reactive dog. So there's two variables that you can control. You cannot control the third one. I'll talk about the third one, but there's two variables you can control to make this effective. Duration and distance. Distance is your big bubble versus your small bubble. Knowing where your dog lies is vital to having success in this. So do not start off having... Something that triggers your dog, whether it's a person, a car, squirrel, bicycle, skateboard, another dog, whatever it may be, don't have that close enough to excite your dog. Stimulate them into a reactive case, reactive situation. You don't want them to be reactive. This is where positive reinforcement trainers and punishment trainers differ. In many cases, punishment trainer, bleh, I am, <laughs> man, the words are getting me today. I'm so sorry, guys. The punishment style trainers will correct the dog for reacting and then work on the positive reinforcement stuff. The positive reinforcement will set up the situation, set up the training to where the dog is successful. Which would you rather be the learner in? Personally, would you rather have success the whole way? Oh, I'm doing it. I'm getting this. I feel confident. I feel comfortable. I'm trusting the process. Everything's going great. Or would you rather get thrown into this situation, told you're wrong, and then taught how to do it right? Why didn't you just teach me how to do it right for the first time? Personally, I would like to have success the entire way. I don't want to have to make mistakes and then learn. Yes, you should learn from your mistakes, but I don't want to make mistakes just to learn. If I could learn from other people, that's why books exist. That's why educational courses exist. That's why instructors and teachers exist. Professors exist. Universities exist. Schools exist. It's all because other people made mistakes. Other people took the time to figure it out. We can only accelerate learning by learning from other people. There's a wonderful phrase. I hope I get it right here. It says, any fool can learn from their mistakes, but a wise man will learn from other people's mistakes. Anyone can learn from their mistakes. Any fool can learn from their mistakes. But to be wise is to learn from other people's mistakes. So learn from other people's mistakes. 
Don't set your dog up for failure and then try to fix it. Teach them from the beginning how to be successful. If you're interested in learning reactivity and how to train your dog fully, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity. It's a wonderful course to take you step-by-step through the exercises and tools you need to have success with your dog, to have them worry less, you worry less, and start to enjoy and do more with your dog. I know it's starting to get colder in these uh, winter-type months, but you still want to be able to get out with your dog, go for walks, enjoy being with your dog outside, and not have to worry about every little thing that goes by. MatadorCanine.com slash reactivity. The link will be in the description. So the distance, how close can I get that other dog? And how close can I be to my dog? There's different ways to look at distance. Is my dog far away from me, but close to the trigger? Because that's going to be one situation. And is my dog close to me, but far from the trigger? That's going to be another situation. Playing around with those, dancing with those, is one of the best ways to control the effectiveness of training with your dog and reactivity. If you can do that, if you can manage all of that, your dog will be successful 90% of the time. It's the moments that you forget, or you're not paying attention, or life just happens, because that does happen. Your turn in the corner, you think everything's going to be good, and there's a dog right there, and now your dog loses their mind. How do you handle that situation? Right? It's going to be different. And duration, not a lot of people think about. Duration is the other variable that you can control, and not a lot of people think about it because they set apart time to train with their dog in terms of half hours, 45 minutes, hours, long sessions. That's not what it's intended to be. Five to 10 minutes, oftentimes shorter than that, especially when you're beginning. Your dog does not have the attention span for 10, 15 30 minutes, an hour-long training session of being outside and trying not to freak out. The longer you are around the trigger, the more tense your dog is going to become, the more tense the bubble is going to become, and the more likely it's going to pop. So what you can do is through training for short periods of time, you can create a little bit of tension, a little bit of stress on your dog, and then relieve them of that stress. And then go back and do it again. Right? So you're basically teaching your dog to be tolerant of that stress and rewarding them for existing in that situation without popping, without freaking out, without reacting, without barking, lunging, snapping, snarling, all of those things. You're teaching them that they can go longer. They don't have to freak out right away. And coupled with working on distance is a reactivity training plan. That's exactly what it is. You're going to teach your dog some skills. You're going to teach them some exercises. You're going to be able to get their attention when you need to, and then you're going to work on distance and duration. That's most of your training plan when it comes to reactivity. Yes, there's management tools that you have to do before all of this, but if you can master the duration of it, okay, I'm going to put my dog in this situation for a few minutes. We're just going to sit here. I'm going to reward my dog and try to build a positive association so that they feel comfortable, confident, and they trust me in these new situations so that their bubble can get smaller. They're not so stressed and they don't need such a big space. Then I can take the pressure off. They're doing good. Everything's great. They're feeling good. Let me take the pressure off. We'll go back inside. We'll go in the car. We'll hang out. We'll go somewhere else and practice again. I take the pressure off. What is the pressure? Any trigger that would get your dog to react or pop their bubble. Another dog. Bike skateboard. You can go to a skate park, sit outside the skate park with your dog. If that's going to make them reactive, 
sit outside the skate park, have the people, you know, skating around, having fun, doing their tricks and stuff. Three minutes, not even, maybe two minutes, maybe a minute and a half, maybe a minute. You have your dog stand outside the car with you. You just reward them for looking at the skateboards. And when you start to notice, ah, they're getting a little tense, you've pushed it too far. So you don't want to get them tense. You want to keep them relaxed, playful, confident, and then go back in the car, relax for a little bit. And what I mean by back in the car is you might park the car farther away so that you can walk away towards the car. Because if you're going to go in the car right then and there, sometimes they can still look out the window and they haven't stopped stressing. If anything, you've just created more stress by moving them around and putting them in the car. Now, like, I don't know, this is my chance to tell them to back up. That happens. Dog's doing great. You put them in the car and then they start losing it. That's a whole nother story. But it goes down to duration and distance. Duration and distance. Now, the third variable that you cannot control as much but does affect the bubble is the distractions. The level and severity of the triggers will determine whether your dog can handle a certain distance or not, whether they can handle a certain amount of time or not. If you have 15 dogs, that is going to exacerbate the problem of reactivity. If you have 15 skateboards, it's going to make it 10 times harder for you to keep your dog focused on you and comfortable. If you have one skateboard, if you have one dog, if you have a relaxed dog that's not doing anything, that's going to be easier than a dog moving around. If you're at the park and someone's playing fetch with their off-leash dog, that's going to stress your dog out more. Maybe a dog ran up to you before. Maybe a dog charged at your dog and that's how they became reactive. Those are variables that you now need to think about if you have a reactive dog. All of those things. Dogs coming up from behind. Sometimes that can stress a dog out more. Where is the dog oriented in relation to your dog? Is it in front? Is it to the side? Is it behind them? Can they see it? Can they not see it? Right? Could they hear it? These are different levels of distractions. They can hear the dog, but they can't see the dog. They can smell the dog, but they can't see or hear the dog. That's probably going to be fine for most dogs because they smell it, but it's not really stimulating to them. They're like, okay, a dog was here. I don't know if it's here right now, although they could probably smell it. A dog was here, but it's not here right now. Okay. If I'm seeing a dog running at me, that's going to create some tension in you and your dog, most likely. So you're both going to be tense and you're, both your bubbles are going to pop. Now, when your bubble pops, you might forget what you need to do with your dog. You might panic. You might charge the other dog. You might pick your dog up, which in many cases, if you have a small dog and you pick them up, it's going to create more excitement for the dog chasing at you because they're like, ooh, what do you got in your hands? Distance, duration, distractions. That's how you control the bubble. That's how you either make it easier for yourself or 10 times harder. The more distance, the shorter duration, and the calmer the distraction, and the easier it will be for you. Throughout training, you're going to slowly make those more challenging and more difficult, and keeping your dog successful is the only way to do that. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to learn about reactivity, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity, matadorcanine.com slash reactivity. I'm going to put the link in the description. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.